This episode of the Curfew Boys is brought to you by Laudonapoli. Located at 6758 St. Lawrence Boulevard, Laudonapoli offers authentic and high-quality clothing from Italy since 2001. Call Laudonapoli at 514-564-2327 or visit them at laudonapoli.com. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Welcome to a very, very special episode of the Curfew Boys here. Instead of doing our typical post-game show, we are starting a brand new tradition. We're calling this show the Rivalry Show. I am Sammy, your host, with my boys, Anthony, Chris, and Joey. Hey and now. with us. Hey now. With, <laughs> and with us, a very, very special guest coming straight from Boston. He is Maddie from Maddie C Sports for You and Me podcast. Maddie, great pleasure having you with us. How are you doing, my man? Good. Thanks, boys, for having me on Maddie C Sports for You and Me, uh, based out of just outside of Boston, but glad to join the boys from uh, up in uh, Canada up there. Nice to meet you all. Yes, sir. Uh, it's, uh, we're, we're very excited to have you on. We're very, very excited to get on the topic of what is arguably arguably excuse me the most popular rivalry in all of sports we are talking about the Montreal Canadiens versus the Boston Bruins um yeah uh, guys uh, how, how could you say almost more than 50 years of battles and and bloodsheds and respect honestly, between the two teams. Uh, this is something that I cannot wait to get the ball rolling on. Um, you know, this season, it's unfortunate with everything going on in the world, uh, still going through the pandemic. We're lucky to be having an NHL season this year, but they had to do things differently just to be on the safe side for everyone and to maintain health for, for everyone. It's sad to think that this year we're not going to be having any Montreal versus Boston games in the NHL unless things turn out well for both teams and they the stars are aligned and they meet in the playoffs for once again. Uh, but for now, we're going to have to live with what's going on. That would actually uh, be, uh, that'd be awesome to see, you know, like a whole year of... Yeah. Of, of just Canadian division for us and for you guys, your own division, Atlanta division, and then... We just, you know, summer comes and we have that that rivalry Boston-Montreal playoff just to start off the summer where, quote-unquote, pandem the pandemic has started to, to die off a little bit. So it'd be nice to uh, to have that experience. So hopefully the, the stars align there and we can finally see that happening. Well, it'd be a great build-up, right? So uh, we've been kind of missing this rivalry for, I know I have. I said at the beginning of our podcast uh, that, it's gonna it's gonna get boring just always playing the same yeah. team so and talking to a lot of fans and just us in general we miss the Montreal Boston so we both need to play some outside 
such a great buildup and so anticipated compared to years past. You know, in years past, we used to always play each other a few times a year. So although, I mean, this would just make such a great buildup before what actually happened. I want hope it happens. So let, let's hope for the best and both teams do well to make it there. Who would have thought, who would have thought we'd be sitting here talking, saying how much we miss the team, <laughs> one of the teams that we hate the most. Go figure. We, yeah, need, we, we need each other as no, much as no, we hate each other. We need each other. The, so, so I know what Christopher's uh, talking about. Christopher is a big Batman fan. So it's kind of like that Batman needs Joker. Joker needs Batman mentality. Um, but if there's one thing I will say, as much as we can argue that the two teams hate each other, I, I truly believe that there is some kind of respect uh, there's a mutual respect between both teams, both organizations, because of the the long history that they have with each other. I don't know how Maddie, how you feel about that. I don't 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 feel intimidated because you're outnumbered by by five no, hats fans right now. <laughs> you're all the way up there. I'm not worried about it. Uh, there there so, you go. <laughs> so um, yeah, this has been a tradition for years. I mean you're never going to forget a Bruins Montreal game. Do you really think I'm going to give a shit less if you're going to see, um, you're going to see, you know, Buffalo play us or, you know, along that line that you're, you're never going to like, remember that one specific game. Or if you are, it's, it's just one game. The Bruins and, and Habs, this is like you said, it's gone on 50 plus years. Uh, a lot of great players come through both teams. So, it's yeah. just a great rivalry and uh, it's good to talk about, but it's better to see, you know, like maybe we'd be on the show now saying, Hey, like I want to see Nick Suzuki get his ass kicked. I want to see Pasternak trip over the blue line, you know, like it, it's just hard to see, not see the Bruins playing each other. I mean, the only thing I look forward to is the friggin' Philadelphia Flyers, you know, it's yeah. the only good team I like seeing in our division. Yeah, same oh, with us. Absolutely. We only uh, we only seem to I only seem to enjoy the Montreal Toronto from our division because everyone else is Ottawa has never been a rivalry and everyone else is pretty much out west and we never had rivalry with Calgary with Edmonton Vancouver even Winnipeg. So for us, well, we're in the same boat. We only have one big rivalry in our division, which is Toronto. So I love to see those games, but. The the West teams just don't excite me as much. I'd rather see Montreal Boston, Montreal Philadelphia, because we have history with yeah. them. Montreal Pittsburgh, Even the rather Rangers. than seeing our Canadian brothers, our Montreal Rangers too. Like I'd rather see our East Coast rivalries more than our Canadian rivalries. But there's always yeah. some, there's always something about sorry, there's always something about an original six matchup. You know, for sure. Like even even sometimes Montreal Detroit, Montreal Chicago, even though it's not as high up there with a Montreal boss and a Montreal Toronto, even a Montreal Rangers. It's still, it's always a fun game to watch, but that, but, 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 but that excitement, that anticipation, that's, that's that battle, the game that you want to watch is missing the way, the way, like even, even Joey said, I'll just say this, Anthony, even, even though like, yeah, we do have Montreal Toronto, even though it's probably the, longest rivalry in nhl history it's not the it's it's lost its excitement you know montreal montreal boston's been since the late 40s the 50s up to this day 
but that's the thing that's that's what i want to to actually expand on that good point uh you know the, the excitement with the montreal toronto game i think the only thing we enjoy about watching them to play is the hatred we have for the leafs right but that's that's the far the furthest it goes with Boston and also how the league is changing, right? You know, there's less fights, there's less hits because, you know, they're trying to change the ways of, 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 of how the sport is. So you're taking that away from us. But with Boston, there's a lot more to that. You don't need, okay, yes, we missed the fighting and all that stuff. But with the history and the hate and the respect, because not for you, not, I'll speak for myself, but I think we can all say the same thing. I will never till the day I die, respect the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Boston Bruins, as much as I hate them, I still respect them. And I'll never say that about the, the Leafs. So there's a mixture. Of, uh, there's like a love and hate for the Bruins. There's the history. There's the hatred. There's the love. There's the respect. And and just if you take away the fighting and all that stuff, you're still going to get that, that excitement between the two teams because of all I just said right now. So... There's a difference there, and and, and I miss it, you know? I mean, even if you go back, that's the amazing thing about these two teams. If you go back to years where one team was a lot more competitive than the other, regardless of where they sat in the standings, the games are almost always close. Yeah. There's always something special about those Mm -hmm. games. But but I think think what's really sealed the level of respect between the two after battling – I, I want to mention the the um, the picture the famous the famous picture called the handshake, which was between Sugar Jim Henry, the goaltender of the Bruins, in 1952, and Maurice Richard. Okay, that picture alone, you see J- Jim Henry, the goal. He's got he's got a black eye, probably from you know getting shots a, a puck to the face. Maurice Richard, who got a stick to the head was supposed to leave the game temporarily because of a concussion. He ends up scoring the winning goal. But that picture alone, the handshake, I think I think that picture just demonstrates what the Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens rivalry is. It's it's for me it's it's I it's my it's 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 up there with my favorite picture of 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 Bobby Orr winning uh his his most his his popular the Stanley Cup winning goal against St. Louis when 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 he scores a goal and he goes flying up in the air and then whoever I forgot the name of the photographer but that's got to be the most iconic photo in I don't know if all sports but definitely in hockey but the Maurice mm-hmm. Richard shaking the hands with Jim Henry that's that's got to be up up there with that picture. It's look it's what you get in a Montreal Boston game. It's blood, sweat, tears combined with the respect for one another at the end <laughs> of it all. Blood, sweat, and tears with the respect. There you go. So let's 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 fast forward now to uh, the this 2020-2021 COVID season. We'll call it. Uh, the we're we're having our fair share of uh, ups and downs with the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Matt. But uh, I'm I'm slowly looking at you know the standings that Boston is is. A little bit in the same boat as the Canadians, more or less within their division. So, if you want to tell us, like, how how is is life in Boston right now with the team? How's the fan reacting? How's the media reacting towards the team? Floor is yours. Well, well, right now we're in the um, protocol because a couple of our players got sick. Um, 
couple okay. of weeks ago, Charlie Coyle, one of our centers, got uh, on the COVID protocol. Okay. Um, I honestly can tell you from my point of view is that ever since they won in Lake Tahoe against the Philadelphia Flyers, they have not been the same fighting, mm-hmm. like grinding team along with. So I will say I did watch Montreal last night and I thought Perry and Petrie with that goal was, was nice. Nick Suzuki with the top shelf there on the right yeah, he, side. I he thought needed, that was great. Yeah. He needed that goal for sure to get and, the monkey you know, off his back. To, to be honest, that, those goals by Vancouver were garbage. They were just garbage goals. They weren't like really finesse goals. And then that fucking JT Miller, he pissed me off. I was like, this guy was dangling all over them. So like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You guys got the overtime curse right now, but it's, the morale it's, it's in Boston crazy. isn't too good right now. Okay. Not a, not a lot of people are happy with how they're performing. Um, the media is taking that really serious um, here in Boston with, um, you know, Boston.com and ESPN Boston and um, Bruce Cassidy is making it well known that, you know, this isn't the Bruins he knows. So mm-hmm. hopefully they pick it up. I mean, we're, we're like minuscule with injuries up and down, up and down. So I don't know. What, what are you guys thinking in Montreal? What's the morale there um, besides losing overtime 20 times? <laughs> well, the morale here is just the, the, I mean, we're—I don't know about you guys, but in Montreal, especially with the media and our fan base, we're we're bipolar fans. We can love the we can love the team one day, actually one minute, and then a minute later we can hate the team. We can go with, we love Carey Price. The guy is a superstar. We're gonna keep him forever. And then the day later, not even an hour or an hour later, is trade that fucker, kill this guy. Like that's how crazy our fan base is. It's a it's a blessing and a curse that comes. It's a with blessing the, and a curse, that, exactly. This team. So the morale this year is just the ups and downs, right? You know, we start off the season strong. We start off the season pretty much the, the, the best team in the league with with the amount of goals we had, the wins, and yes, we had that trend where every time we start a season, we're we're flying and we're hot, and then we go downhill. But this year is a little different for me, and a lot of, uh, very different for many. We saw something different in the 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 um, the uproar at the beginning. It wasn't like before of okay that lucky start of the season streak. It was we saw every every line uh, perform. We saw the goals. We saw everything that we were missing in the past all combined together, and it's just it was rolling, rock and rolling. So then we went through that streak, and now it's like that up and down. So like they're really playing with our emotions this year, <laughs> especially me, <laughs> Mister Emotional Guy. Yeah. Uh, Actually, it's playing with, they're playing with your sanity level more than anything. Pretty much. So that, <laughs> yeah. that's to answer your question, how is it up here? That's pretty much in conclusion how we're, we're feeling here down here. I would so say lately it's the morale has been a bit lower. Um, it's been a bit lower because we can't figure out some of our struggles, especially overtime. I mean, we've given up nine points just because of overtime. And it's not like our overtime has – like our overtime struggles have been where we had chances, we didn't capitalize, they scored – it's just, it looks like, I'm sorry to say, it looks like it's peewee hockey when we play three on three. It looks like we're, we're lost. Um, maybe last night's game, I said you saw overtime was the first time you see that we actually had the better chance that we didn't execute on Anderson's breakaway. And then Miller score, scored on us. But besides that, just, we know when we get into overtime, everyone's morale just goes like, okay, well, we, we got a point, but 
not much more than that. And then you see what happened yesterday with, with JT Miller. It's like, you're right. They scored garbage goals. We, we, we executed some nice plays. Then come overtime, we fall asleep and we got both, both two players got undressed by JT Miller. So it was high at the beginning of the season. And I'm the Mr. Negative because I'm a realist. And I've always been like, we don't have the talent. We don't have the talent. And like this year was finally as like, okay, we have the talent and we're just, there's missing something to it. And I, I don't think it's skilled. There's just something missing. And that's what I was saying on our podcast yesterday. There's some sort of mental problem with the team. And I just think like the fans who watch them a lot have seen that, seen that there, there's just something that's not working well. It's not meshing well. And it's just bringing our morale down with every game that's passing. I think uh, teams like Boston and Montreal, they're, they're too used to having a bunch of savages screaming. Not savages. We're not savages. Sometimes we can be, but we can be. Yeah. Just, think about, think about the influence of the crowd, like in Boston, in Montreal, when the team gets going, if, even if the team makes a bad play, you feel a little bit as a player, you have to feel a little bit more accountable for, for screwing up because they're on your back They're I think both fan bases are extremely knowledgeable. And I have to say, I think building upon Joe's point is I would really love to see both of these teams get a few fans uh, back in the buildings and see what but that would do to their play. But it's, but it's proven, though, that the energy in the crowd is it's, it's real. Arizona the energy and the cr- Florida. Okay. <laughs> besides <laughs> besides them, we're talking about, you know, the big markets like Montreal, Boston. We could even add in Toronto, New York, Rangers if you want. But it's it's proven that the, the 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 crowd, the buzz, the energy, it it can serve as that momentum booster, as that energy booster, or even as that we'll call it that that seventh player, if you will, that helps you win games. But the thing is, is that I, I feel like both teams this year are they they have an an identity, but they're unable to execute it on a consistent basis. Because if you look at the standings, they're 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 very close. Montreal's got 35 points. Boston's got 36. You know, Montreal they're 13, 8, and 9 with 30 games played. Boston 16, 8, and 4 with 28 games played. Both both in the fourth they're in the fourth uh, spot in their division. You know, Montreal their last 10 games 4, 2, and 4. Boston 5, 3, and 2. It's very 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 similar. But I'm. I'm starting to wonder if, you know, I, I'm looking, I'm looking at, if I'm going to look at both teams here, I'm wondering if, you know, Boston may be losing key elements like, like Tory Krug, or maybe even losing the, 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 the leadership from the Daniel Chara. Like, I'm wondering if that has a bit of, a, of an effect. I, I don't know. Uh, some, something I'm, I'm curious to hear your, your, your thoughts on. So, at this point in Chara's career, I think it was time to go. Mm-hmm. I think Patrice Bergeron has deserved that C since since before Chara came in. No, oh, absolutely. Um, losing Tory Krug, I think, was big because I mean, um, we just picked up Tenorti, and I think he's a good defenseman. He's a little grinder, but he, he's not as skilled and as finesse as uh, Chara. I mean. That guy lays out his stick. He, his stick it goes from the red line to the blue line. So, <laughs> um, so I mean, it, you know, it, it's hard to lose players like that. But again, at the same time, 
you got to deal with what you got to deal with. I think um, we have young talent, just like you guys over in Montreal. I think um, in some reason, I just think both teams, in especially Montreal, I think they need a little bit more leadership than they have. Um, I do. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm hoping to see that Carey Price picks it back up. And um, our goalie situation is honestly screwed up. We had a rookie goaltender the other night who played pretty good. Um, yeah, made a wicked save actually. Nice right now, yes, you did. Yeah, and I wish. Um, who you, who's your goalie, Allen? Yeah, Jake so Allen. Yeah, yep. yeah. He he almost had a nasty save with JT Miller, but unfortunately, like you said, Jay. Uh, but uh, you know, they're they're up and coming team. They need to pick it up. And we both are in standings where we can pick it up, but it all comes with playing together and, and both teams aren't right now at the time. Yeah. Do you ever foresee Boston in the near future if their level of success starts going down the, compared to how great they've been contending team within this past decade? And I'm talking about between 2010 up until last year. Do you foresee any sort of rebuild or is Cam Neely not so interested in rebuilding, but kind of using the word retooling like RGM Mark Bergevin said a few times for the past two, three seasons? Um, I don't see a rebuilding in Boston. I see a progressive, um, not decline, but I mean, we got a lot of old players. I mean, David Krejci mm -hmm. is pretty pretty much up there in um, our top lines. I mean, but Bergeron is definitely going to go pretty soon, and people are just not ready for that. And Cam Neely is a smart guy, but I, I do see us declining a little bit. We're going to have tough years, which is, I mean, you guys kicked our ass all through the, the 80s and the 50s, you know, and I wanted to go back to you with uh, Maurice Richard, when mm -hmm. you were talking about, I mean, that guy's head was just a, a walking concussion. You know, everybody went after him. They cross-checked yeah. him in the face and he would just keep playing. It was amazing. And it was so bad that, you know, they had a riot for him outside the forum, you know, like th this is what I mean. Like where you guys are saying, this goes back to the fifties to now. It's absolutely amazing. And well, it's, it's, yeah. it's funny. Sorry, oh, so I'm just saying no, no, it's, no. Uh, it's good. Matt mentioned two things that, that are similar. Um, see, they're, well, the first one I want to touch, touch upon was the leadership. Um, we're we're kind of seeing the same trend with Weber now and what's going on with Chara. Uh, Sam, you've mentioned it how many times in the podcast about uh, Weber and his slowly, well, not even slow, it's actually no, he's his, his decline. Actually his going decline. quickly. He's declining. Yeah. He's becoming what Chara was becoming to the Bruins for us. Although, okay, their histories are a little different. Bruins, obviously, he served as Bruins captain for a while as opposed to Weber. But we're seeing his lack of leadership and we're seeing his decline. And that's kind of affecting our place. So we're kind of in the same boat where I, pretty soon, like in the Chara situation, it's going to be time for him to go. And another good thing he brought up is our, our fans have the same and the media have the same ways of thinking for Montreal and Boston um, their fans like ours are never never wanting or never ready for a rebuild I don't think they can handle it that's why they're saying they're retooling but we're in the situation where most a lot of our players are becoming older 
Uh, I would yeah. pick a little more Boston than Montreal because we started our retooling a bit earlier, but it's none of us want to have a rebuild and none of us are prepared to accept that for a few years. Well, but, I yeah. just go, actually want to yeah. say the biggest thing, the biggest difference that I would say, and I, I might be leading into another subject. I don't want to do that too early. <laughs> Montreal <laughs> has not, we are a hockey city. We have nothing but hockey. If you look at Boston, you have the Celtics, you have the Red Sox, you have the Patriots, Calm down, Anthony. Uh, you have you have the Bruins. You have four teams playing in the most competitive leagues within their given sport. Montreal cannot afford to have a rebuild because basically that's the only team that we live for. Our Alouettes, our football team. But, yeah, God bless them. But, uh, but there's nothing. What about the, your soccer team? Oh, uh, no, we, listen. We, we have we have a soccer team. <laughs> that's, that's that's the thing montreal <laughs> versus boston you guys might i was actually curious and i was actually very interested to hear that the the severity of the journalists towards the bruins is there regardless of the other sports teams in the region but chris uh even though they have four teams uh, i know it pains me to say this i think boston I would say in the last two decades are probably the most successful city as oh, yeah. in terms of all For four sure. teams together, along sure. with California, but California has so many teams, but in Boston, you have the Patriots who are always successful. You have the Bruins who always compete. <laughs> Joey hated saying that right now. I know. Oh, I saw the, I hate it. I, hate it. Hate it. I know that. the Celtics, <laughs> uh, look, the Celtics have made the, the Celtics have obviously made a rebound and the Red Sox are the Red Sox. So, even though they have four teams, I think all fans, including Matt, like they probably want all four teams to be so competitive every year. And yes, it might turn a little bit of their attention away, but See, it, it, yes, yeah. But just to sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's it's it, you're bringing up a very good point. And like Matt said, you know, do they want to see a rebuild? They don't. Why? Because. The city of Boston has been used, like the, the, you guys have been used to being the winning city for so long, right? So you're used to seeing the Patriots in the finals almost every year. You're used to seeing Boston compete almost every year. So the time, when the time has come, example, you know, the Patriots didn't make the playoffs this year for the first time in, in 20 years, right? And and you don't see them winning the championship. And now Boston too is is getting in a decline. So it's, it's bothering you guys because you're so used to seeing that. And now you're not seeing it anymore. In Montreal side, we've been waiting since 1993 to even have a competitive team because since 93, we haven't seen uh, any competitiveness. It so it hasn't been, it's, it it's hasn't more, been good uh, for us. <laughs> I, I think we're both in the same boat, but for different reasons. You guys so are don't want the the rebuild because you're so used to winning and you don't want you don't you're not you're not used to seeing a decline and us we're so used to decline that we want to just go upwards so it's yeah that's what i want to say sorry well, just... the thing the thing about montreal it's always taking one step forward and two steps back within the canadians organization and this is why my level of respect for the boston bruins is up there because even even before 2010, a little bit before they won the, their their cup in, in 2011, they were still able to to keep a core together of players to build around. Okay, and despite I, I still think Peter Chiarelli can be considered as maybe the worst GM in the NHL. Absolutely. I I I don't understand how 
even even when getting rid of Tyler Sagan and even getting rid of Dougie Hamilton, and the Bruins, they haven't really drafted high uh, in terms of draft picks, but they were still able to develop players, develop somebody like David Krejci, uh, excuse me, uh, David Pasternak, who who I think is a phenomenal player. I'd give anything to have a player like him on the Habs, but, but still be able to go to the Stanley Cup finals, even though in, uh, three times, Stanley Cup finals, three times in the last decade, having winning one of them, to me, I consider yes. pretty successful. So that's, that's, why, that's why the Bruins organization gets my respect. So, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go, 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 because I was going to start up a new subject, but go so for it. My, so my quick thing is, in that 2011 season, we had to go, come over um, different adversities. I mean, that was the year Max Pacioretty got clotheslined by Chara. <laughs> Me, as a Boston fan, I didn't like it. It's, it's a sport. You got to have some compassion for a player like that. And mm-hmm. Max Pacioretty got blindsided like that. Um, and, you know, that's why we had uh, – 2011 too we had a brawl in february that yeah. absolute brawl that just went everywhere uh carrie and thomas were throwing at each other and um, uh, 180 you know, 187 penalty minutes or spot check uh, yeah <laughs> and i think it was um um i don't know if mark stewart was still playing for us he was in the corner and somebody um cross-checked him from behind and that just started a brawl it was just an amazing game full of fights just all yeah. game long and like you know, chris and, yeah like like and, sorry like chris said earlier it was a close game it ended up finishing eight six eight six was the final score yeah i mentioned it yesterday but yeah it was uh <laughs> oh, okay well was, i wasn't that, listening to you then <laughs> no that went a game little more was in just, yeah <laughs> that, that game was just outstanding it was uh, not the greatest defensive team clearly at eight six no, but no. uh one of the most memorable games on uh, the negative side for me at least <laughs> matt but before before we start talking about you know some of our favorite memories between the two teams you mentioned mm-hmm. Daniel chara uh the, the almost <laughs> almost killing max patch taking him out and you know as as a person in general nobody wants to see that Okay. Now, Zidane Chara for the longest time since he's been a Bruin was basically public enemy number one within the city of Montreal. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember even after that night, the, apparently there were fans calling the police department, you know, demanding he be arrested and criminal charges and, and all that bullshit, which to me was, was a, quite a bit of an extreme. Like, I, I thought that was ridiculous. But I, I mean, at the same time, too, I understand the anger for those that actually saw that live in front of them. Now I know Zidane Chara was, it was an extremely tough player, tough to play against. I got no problem with that. I also know he has a reputation outside of hockey of being a very, very good person. It's, it's, it's there. It's, it's well-documented. I want to hear from you. If, if you really think not that he did it on purpose, but did he know the stance? Do you think he knew the stance was there? And I know there was there was a buildup between him and Max Pacioretty for a few games before, um, but I, I truly believe he wanted to make some kind of hit. Part of me thinks, you know, maybe he just, he kind of wanted to put him in the stanchion, not to really take him out, but just to slow him down. 
or he just wanted to make a hit in general. But I, I want to hear from you. What, what do you think he, his, his intentions really were? In that game, I was watching it down here on our sports network, Nesson. So I was watching that game. And when I saw that hit, um, Char was behind him. And then he sped up and caught up with Pacioretty. And like you said, I'm glad you brought up that point that Pacioretty and him had some beef for a while going into those games and they were at each other back and forth. And um, when that play happened, everybody, I I know you guys had to have been like jaw dropped, like, oh my God, this guy is like really, really, really hurt. And I was one of those people. And I was like in, you know, I do think he he knew the Sancho was there. I do think that he, I don't know if he was trying to slew foot him before. I don't know if he was just, like you said, trying to unintentionally like slow him down and hit him that way. But either way, you, you made a dangerous play and you should have been suspended for multiple games more than he was. Um, it's it's a tough thing. I mean, you, you see it all different types of ways. You you see yep. elbows, you see people, you you really see guys kamikaze at other players and just like going down like wrestling moves. And it's, it's very yep. scary stuff. I mean, but you know, that's where you need, like, like you guys are saying, um, Joey with, you know, going into it, like um, you need somebody like, you know, Dale Weiss to step up in that situation if he was there to you know f- fight for your team and, and there yeah. wasn't a lot of, there wasn't much fighting in that game after i believe was there there, no, wasn't the, much the, there was the, there was just scott gomez who was kind of going up to chara and maybe giving him an earful but there wasn't that much there wasn't a scrum anything there was no and i and i don't think it was a question of not wanting to defend patcheretti I just think it was just the level of shock that that happened to everyone. I think the at building, one point the building went quiet for until for sure. The build, but I but I think in terms of all the players, it was like, oh my god, he might not be conscious right now. And I think I, it it could be that all the players after that moment were like, okay, let's listen, this is not about hockey right now. This is about worrying about potentially somebody's life so you know i mean like who 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 knows what was going on through all of their heads um i do respect the fact that zedanio chara actually reached out to max patcheretti a couple of times you know to apologize make amends whichever and i know it's been documented that patcheretti forgave him and actually had respect for him for reaching out etc etc but Man, when when that happened, like Pacioretty at that at at I think at that point it was I don't I'm trying to remember if it was his rookie season or his sophomore season, but you know he was on the rise. We we all knew he was going to become that 20 30 goal scorer, and I truly believe if Pacioretty was in the lineup for what I would consider probably the best series in the the 2011 playoffs, that Montreal versus Boston series in 2011 was as a hockey fan one of the best i've seen in a while and i i watched the entire 2002 playoff series between the bruins and the canadians i've watched all of 2004 i watched all of 2008 
I even watched the 2014 when Milan Lucic told Dale Weiss at the, the handshake, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> But even though 2011 didn't end for us the way we would have wanted it to end, that series alone was, as, as, as a hockey fan, like I said, it was an outstanding series. It was one of the best. Well, let's 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 get to uh, to some rivalry talk because uh, as much as I love what's going on in this episode, that maybe we're trying to respect each other for our podcast purposes or whatever. But there's so much love between this Munchal Boston talk tonight, which I was right, expecting. One, one, let's go. Let's drop the balls. Let's play some drop. Play some dropkick Murphys. Here we go. No, but I, up the a part of me is happy to see. I'm ha- part of me is happy to, to, to see this, you know, because like we said before, there's a lot of respect between the, the two teams. So I'll, I'll start off by talking about specific memories. And this is not really a hockey memory, but it's more of, um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I feel like this, the hockey sport, maybe it's just me, but I feel like the love of this sport is slowly declining in the world. I, that, that's what I'm feeling. Because if you go back to 2010-2011, where, perfect example, the Boston Bruins and the Habs, that crazy rivalry we had, it wasn't just on the ice. It was also on social media. Like, I don't remember if you guys remember, but Facebook, for example, the, 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 the comments, the, the posts, the, 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 the arguments people were having between friends and family and, and everybody, like, there was so much passion back then. Now, in the last couple of years, you know, Montreal beats Boston or Boston beats Montreal. Or two years ago, we, 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 we swept you throughout the season. I think we beat you like all five games. There was no talk on social media because it, that, that love, that passion was gone. But to me, my favorite memory with Boston and hockey and hockey in general was the 2010-2011. Because back then, there was so much passion in the sport, so much passion in the fan base. And between those two teams, like I have Boston friends that we went head to head for so long throughout those years. It was so much fun. And that's what I miss about this sport. I don't know what happened. Is it the sport changing? Is it the fan base not caring anymore? I don't know what it is. Maybe you have a different perspective on this, but that got lost along the way. I'd like to talk on Montreal's end before we go to uh, the Boston perspective, but you want to know something as a fan, um, there was a lot more hope. There was belief. And I think after, look, I was in my cradle. I was in my crib last time Montreal won the cup. Um, I've never seen this team win and I've just been let down year after year. And the difference between an additional 10 years of not winning. Well, I have to say, I, I hate to say it. I think a lot of the fans just go in with a lot more of a realistic perspective. This is not the 1970s uh, dynasty Montreal Canadiens where we're already planning the parade before the season begins. I think the fact of the matter is we go into a lot of the seasons expecting a lot, uh, expecting to lose, expecting not to be uh, champions. So the passion, like you say, is not there as much. And I think back in 2011, Even, even in the mid to like the mid 2000s to uh, early like 2010, we had a lot more belief because I think we saw ourselves, we saw ourselves having a chance to win. 
I mean, even take it back to uh, to 2000 when when Halak stole the show and we went to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals uh, against Philly. That you saw the level of excitement, you saw how the uh, the city rallied behind this team, but we just haven't had that. And the more that it goes, I think the less that our fans are showing and it translates in these rivalry games. Ah, yeah, we won a game. We lost a game, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, are we going to win? Mm, not so sure. So when the winning ways come back is when you're going to see that passion and that belief come back, at least on the Montreal end. But it was even during, and I agree with all that you just said, but I also, not only in that aspect of things, but I think the sport in general, I don't, it's not just here, the fan base in Montreal. I'm seeing it everywhere. I don't see any more, you know, social media posts from fans, friends and fans about hockey, right? It could be our generation too, as you guys. Just as the older we're getting, we're not, we're not really going to be posting our feelings about teams anymore on social media as much as we used That's to when, when, when we were younger. There could, there, 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 there could be that as well. But um, – Let's hear. Uh, I would like to hear yeah. your side of things in Boston. Like, how do you? Why is that? Let's just move on to memories. What it was, or if you want to expand on what we just said, or if you have your specific memories with the whole Boston and Montreal uh, rivalry. So, as I was talking to Sam yesterday about the rivalry, the rivalry was where I was coming out of college, and me and my buddies, we used to go to the games and sneak in uh, to the to the garden and. It was very simple. We'll just call it a plastic Dunkin' Donuts knife and you just put it on the top of the door and you get in. So that's how I got into a lot of the playoff games and stuff. Now, like you said, Anthony, you go into, I'm sure you've been to the Bell Center, of course. I've been to TD Garden. I don't even know how many times. But like when you're in there and you feel the fresh, like feeling of ice and cold in there, you're like, it's like your home almost. And when I, when I went to playoff games, I went to the Stanley Cup finals when um, uh, Marshawn flipped Henrik Sedin over his, over his back. And um, mm-hmm. like when I first came in, Lucic made a big hit on, um, I think it was Hammerlick or something. And just the noise from that crowd was just unbelievable. Sound you don't hear anywhere else. And that was passion. That was hockey. Like, and, you know, I, I started watching hockey religiously probably back in early 90s. So I, I think the passion right now is not as frequent. And you're right about the social media. We we ourselves probably posted about it all the time. Like, it, it it's not as popularized as it used to be. And down here, it's actually um, – the Celtics are a big thing right now. I don't know why they're losing like unbelievably, but it's like, that's what they talk about down here. And it's like, mm-hmm. did you forget the hockey team we have? So <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of like a dead topic up here. I mean, down here. So, I mean, yeah. If- the other thing I wanted to bring up to you guys was yeah. thing that pissed me off against you guys against Montreal was 2004 with Mike Ribeiro. Flopping on the ice, flopping on the ice, and just like like a fish in in out of water. And I'm and I was like, wanted all your opinions about that. Yeah, that was. I'll put. I'll say two words. Not cool. 
No, it was not. Some people were trying to play it off as if it like it hit like some sort of shock or nerve, but mm-hmm. I I just think he. Uh, I personally think he he overdid it. I oh, I don't course. think it was much much in it. I, I really don't. Think I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know who the broadcaster was, but they somebody said they should offer. They should give him an Academy Award or something like that. Because I mean, it, it was it was it was pretty obvious. It, it was obvious. Yeah, but, might uh, have inspired Neymar a few years uh, in advance. Ah, uh, the soccer <laughs> player. Yeah, yeah. But it. Um, if we're gonna go back into memories, the the uh, the two thousand to like let's go up to two thousand ten that decade, um, I don't remember much in terms of regular season games, but I think, and as much as I love the two thousand four, as much as I really love the two thousand eight season, for me that two thousand two season, with the whole story of Saku Koivu being diagnosed with cancer. You know, at the start of the season, you looked at him. He looked like he was not going to make it. Then, you know, miraculously, he got better, came back. I really think, and I remember Boston that year being the, the top of the league. I'm pretty sure they won the, uh, the, the President's Trophy that season, you know, with, with Joel Thornton coming in, uh, still young. They had, they had Bill Guerin. They had Sergei Samsonov. Mm-hmm. When, when, when <laughs> Sergei Samsonov, when he was... A, a threat um but i i and you know the whole thing it, it was it was kind of like a david versus goliath story you know the big like the bruins were big you know coming up against the canadians aren't that big but they're a little faster so you know jose jose theodore playing maybe the best hockey uh, uh of his career of his life uh, as as the goaltender and when saku koivu scored that goal to take the lead in game three, I really think that was the that was the the, the 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 pinnacle moment of that series, and I think that just inspired the Canadians to really push through and to win this for him after everything he 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 went through through that through that season. For me, that's my that's my favorite playoff memory out of all the ones that I've watched from from 2002 up into. 2014 that that to me that was my the moment that i'll never forget watching on tv as as a kid as a young as a young teenager i was, I was 12 13 years old i'll never forget that that goal well every i i find every uh playoff series is memorable i mean we've had so many good ones from the 2002 point up into look those are the ones i remember obviously it's mm-hmm. harder in the 90s and the 80s but 2002 up until 2014 had such uh, memorable moments uh, we played each other I think it was six playoff series in those time frames and I had so many look I I'm I was the biggest Koyu fan and Sam brought it up uh, him scoring that goal in game three of the 2002 playoffs so huge for us so it's something I never forget but even memories even though the the series Boston one where they won the cup uh, I've mentioned this Sam before one of my great memories even though we ended up losing was that Subban goal to tie the game up that brought us into mm-hmm. that overtime. I mean, it's yeah. still something I can't forget as a goal itself. I mean, there's so many. The 5-0 game where Munchal clinched game seven and how Kovalev played, you know, that whole series cool. leading up to that point. Kovalev uh, was was the kryptonite for the Bruins, especially for Tim Thomas. As great as Tim Thomas was, that playoff, and even that 2011 save against the Leafs that Tim Thomas diving glove save he made 
was such an unreal save. But Alexei Kovalev, who was my favorite player when he came to the Canadiens, for some reason, he knew how to beat the Bruins. It, it, it was crazy. Uh, that's that's actually you kind of stole it for me. I I oh, sorry. Look, I, I was <laughs> I was born in '92. Believe it or not, like the Koivu coming back from cancer, I was, I was 10 years old. I was a little mm-hmm. bit too young. I, I didn't fully comprehend what was going on. I didn't understand the situation. But Kovalev was actually the player that made me fall in love with hockey. That actually really got me into the game. I'm thinking about the uh, and it's funny. These are just two small things against Boston. When he lost his helmet and he's skating down the ice yeah, and he yeah, scored yeah. that goal, yeah. Oh my God, that was that was like that was a play that made me or a goal, but that made me fall in love with the way he played when he actually showed up. The other two, the other thing too, Charis chasing around the net, he drops his glove, he's he's spinning around, he picks up his glove, puts it back on. That was uh, that was something else. The splash shot in overtime to go over Tim yeah, Thomas's shoulder. That. That yeah. was me falling in love with hockey and saying like, okay, this, this is what I need in my life. I found my pastime. I found what I love. But if you talk about my favorite memory, it actually doesn't go back to a, a playoff series at all. It's the centennial game from warm up to the end. Jeez, uh, seeing the legends out um, December yeah. 9th, uh, December 4th, uh, 2009, yeah. that was absolutely magic, uh, magical. And, and that game, Camilleri had uh, Mike Camilleri. After Kovalev, he was the closest player to actually have, have um, my attention to that, to that level. But Camilleri scoring the hat trick that game, the crowd going insane, the warm-up and everything, that's, that's my favorite memory between the two teams. But you, so, you said it yeah. you said it right there. Just sorry, Sam, but you said yeah, go, go. you just like those memories, it it, it it gave me the shivers, you know, the Kovalev dropping his helmet and Chara losing his glove. All those things now don't happen because these rules, right? You lose your helmet, you gotta you gotta get to the bench. So I think those little details that made us fall in love with this sport has been taken away from us. I'm not a fighter. Like, I don't believe in that whole fighting thing, but you need that to, to get that passion going, the momentum going, you know, that that the helmet falls and you're still seeing that heart that the guy's not scared. He's going to take that puck and still go and score. Child losing his glove and still fucking manhandling everybody. Like, those are I, maybe the stupidest details for, for some people, but those are key details to grow passion and love for this sport. And that's what's been taken away from us. And that's why I believe this sport is declining. And it's just going to keep getting declined because all with social media today and the generation, the sensitive generation that we're, we live in, all this stuff is going to be taken all away from us. And we're just going to see five guys on the ice playing against five guys mm-hmm. on the ice. And that's it. That's all. I know, so, I know I've said a yeah. lot, but wait, I have to say one thing because this goes back to the passion thing. And one thing that I noticed what is the current state or current level of uh, competitiveness amongst the original six teams? Detroit sucks. Chicago's not that good. Boston is slightly on the decline. It's not necessary. I don't want to confirm that or deny that. Montreal hasn't been playing overwhelmingly well. Toronto. <laughs> um, Freaking Toronto. And the Rangers. The Rangers <laughs> are really not there. So, you talk about passion. Those are the six teams that are likely going to carry the majority of the fan base in the NHL and their teams are not competitive. You know, Could we, that we, be? Could yeah. that be? 
part of the well, reason. Listen, I don't. I, I, I don't know. I, I think. I think maybe this year we're kind of feeling the effects of the the pandemic and and all that and the restrictions. But I think once that's over and the league gets back to the way it used to be, maybe maybe the passion and love for the game will come back to what it used to be. You know, we're talking about favorite memories and it's giving off shivers. And I was never in attendance for any of those moments, but just watching it live, hearing on TV, the crowd going nuts. Those are, those are moments that stay with us forever. And we could, we could talk about these moments all we want, but I think Matt has a bit more bragging rights over us because, you know, at the end of the day, we can win playoff series, but if you don't win that Holy grail of hockey, like the Bruins did in 2011, that's, that's what it's really all about. Like, I, I can't imagine how we would react the day that the Canadians win the Cup. And if it's in the near future or in the long-distance future, I don't even know how I'm going to react. I don't – because I, I don't remember. I was only five years old in 1993, the last time they won. I don't know how I'm going to react. But I want to – I'd like to hear from you, Matt. How was the fan, the city, when you guys won that Cup in 2011? I just got all the shivers. Just – and, yeah. <laughs> The shivers you have now are not even close to like the shivers you had on that game day. And to be honest with you, the first four games were way better than the one, the other um, four. Mm -hmm. I thought the other four were shitty and, you know, it just got brought up to game seven. And then when they, when, uh, when doc said Bruins are Stanley cup champions, you're like, Wait, wait, what did you just say? Like, that's, that's really what you feel. And, and it was like, holy shit, like the, the Bruins just won the Stanley Cup. Like, you don't believe it. And then you go to the parade and fucking Bergeron's got a, you know, you see the end. Like, they didn't, I don't think they had like TMZ or any of that bullshit, but Marshawn gets a tattoo. They got a hundred thousand bottle, dollar bottle of champagne. And like, <laughs> we're like, damn, dude, yeah. like these guys, are, that's like Marshawn's rookie year, too. So I know you guys love him to death. So, um, <laughs> oh, Brad Marshall. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, dude. When you guys is when you guys it will come because Montreal is a grinding team just like the Bruins. The, the fan base, honestly, the fan bases will never die for either team, unless you bandwagon yeah. with the what are they now? The Seattle. Wrong sport, Anthony. Wrong sport. <laughs> I don't yeah, know why I said so, that. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great feeling. And I'm sure Montreal will have their day since you guys got some young incomers and they're going to grow. So, yeah, that's what it's like with the Stanley Cup. It's kind of like a shock. And then, like, you're like we're Stanley Cup champions. And it's like next year you don't win. Kind of sucks. <laughs> so, yeah. It's funny. I think uh, Boston uh, needs to beat Montreal, get over that hump in the playoffs to to get to that cup because every time they do, they seem to have successful years uh, on those bases. And I know people have brought it up, uh, brought it up that, uh, you know, Boston finally got over their hump because they were able to beat Montreal in a playoff series and it took it off the edge. And I just think Montreal kind of needs that in the playoffs, not beating a Pittsburgh and all that. I think we need to really like, Maybe this is a, a path of how we can get there. Beating the Maple Leafs, trying to face the Bruins. Montreal comes those adversities, then you never know. But uh, yeah, it's but as you said, Sam, Matt, Matt has the advantage. I mean, we have the advantage on series wins, but it doesn't come to winning a cup. So well, but 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 like I like I like I said before earlier in the episode, they went to the Cup Finals three times in ten years. 
that's a rare thing to do nowadays. And yeah, they may they may have won one and they lost twice, but it's still it's it's still a it's a thirty three point three three percentage in terms of winning the cup in 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 ten years. That's not bad, you know. I, if I can only imagine if 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 it would have happened to us, who knows what the fan base and the media would have done to the city. I I'm pretty sure there'd be riots, even especially if they lost. I mean. That the year that we won in 2008, there was there was a riot. There was like eight cop cars on fire downtown Montreal. I could just so imagine I, the day we win. <laughs> I, well, the, either the day we win or the day we lose, I think we're the the, the city's fucked. You're gonna no see matter. the fires from outer <laughs> no, space. No, no matter no matter what happens, but uh, yeah, it's just I I can't wait for the day that you know the the the, the Canadians finally put together a contending team. It was starting to kind of look that way at the beginning of the season. You know, things change during uh, during the season. And if uh, if both teams make the playoffs, whether deservingly or not, by the skin of their teeth or not, the playoffs is a whole different animal, man. It does not yeah, matter. Yeah, there's no three-on-three hockey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> That's true, too. Thank God for that. But the playoffs, is a, it's a different beast, man. And you never know what could happen, you know. Teams like Pittsburgh, LA, and even uh, even St. Louis two year uh, two years ago, they demonstrated that. So we're gonna get hold to up, the yeah yeah. Before before we go on though, we haven't heard Matt's favorite memory. Like obviously not counting the cup, not counting the cup. No, we could do was... that. I'm such a bad host. I'm so sorry. <laughs> on on Montreal in in us, greatest memory. I would have to say. Um, well, let's see. Um, honestly, the the series in two thousand um, in two thousand ten eleven, you know that that series really did go back and forth, and I, I just thought that was one of the best Montreal series in my time because I didn't really pay attention to much of the other ones. I, I was like, oh, Lucic is fighting in this one, and it's like, you know, you see all those players in it, and you know. I saw a different series at the time and seeing like, you know, you guys had upper hands in different series. Like I told you yesterday, Sam, with seeing Subban's stick turn into a 180 degree stick and shooting mm-hmm. the puck right in the net. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Like, you got to appreciate It's like, it's like when Subban was on the team, you got to see it as like Derek Jeter to the Red Sox. Like Subban was that type of person. That's it's true. like, how can you how can you hate a guy who donated to Montreal hospitals and made a whole new thing for children that were struggling? Like I had nothing but respect for that. So going off topic, but coming back in, I mean the 2010-11 series was one of my favorite memories of Montreal and uh, Boston, honestly. And then the younger ones, I was like, well, I watched Ray Bork, well, I watched that, but like, what was I really watching at the time? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean. I started getting into it when Joe Thornton and mm-hmm. and uh, Patrice Bergeron in his early ages, uh, Jason Allison, Bill Guerin, yeah. like yeah. Uh, Marty Lapointe, all that. So oh, that's true. That's true. I forgot so that Marty Lapointe. Then it kept the going yep. from there, and you know, like you guys, Sakukoivu, nothing but respect. So yeah, and actually, uh, Bruin Canadian, both Chris Nyland and Michael Ryder were both good players. I respected mm-hmm. both of them. So, did you and, Mar- uh, and I and you guys you have to forget 
you can't forget Mark Recchi. He was my childhood that's superstar. Mark and, Recchi, yeah, that's true. And you know that's what? Like it it actually like, and that's that's you know what to speak about memories of hate towards the Bruins is when Mark Recchi signed that contract to become a Boston <laughs> Bruin. It really, 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 really bothered me because I was a Mark Recchi fan growing up, and seeing him in a Bruins jersey really bothered me. And then you know I was happy for him afterwards, yeah. but still, like it's just seeing that really. I don't know. If I if I if I would have seen if I would have seen like maybe I could I don't know if I could speak for Chris and Joy but if I would have seen either a Kovalev or Saku Koivu oh. siding with the Bruins I think that would have broken my heart. Yeah, it, it didn't bother me at first, just to mention. But one person that actually bothered me that signed with the Bruins because he made such an impactful play. Uh, do you guys make it a bit of trivia? Do you guys know who I'm talking about? He Michael played Ryder, Montreal. Game five? That's right. That's Love right. Hey, Love save yeah. in game five. I'll never forget the yeah. pain of watching yeah. that. Yeah, but I you didn't got... care. I didn't yeah. care he signed with Boston, but he made such an impactful play that well, makes me think like, shit, we should have just kept him yeah, for but, that moment. Yeah, but Joey, who, 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 okay, first of all, apparently Michael Ryder's a goaltender in ball hockey. That's, that's what I heard. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Number one. Number two, who took the shot? Thomas Placanic, who's known for shooting right at a goaltender's chest nine times out of ten. <laughs> I know, I know. It was just a freak play, but it was just a freak play. But still, you know, but, it's just but, funny but, to but, see. But speaking of Michael Ryder, when he broke into the league in 2004, I remember it was between him and Andrew Raycroft, the goaltender of the Bruins back then, who were fighting for the, the Calder Trophy. And I really thought it was going to be Michael Ryder to win it because the Bruins had won that year. But when Andrew Raycroft actually won the Calder Trophy, even though I'm not saying he he didn't deserve the nomination because he brought the Bruins to the rookie goaltender, bringing the Bruins to the, the 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 playoffs, I really really thought Michael Ryder that year deserved it a bit more. Maybe it's because I'm biased. Uh, I don't care about admitting it, but I remember that during those awards, that one actually pissed me off. Seeing, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, and we, we talked about, you know, seeing Koivu or Kovlev in a, in a Bruins jersey and then Mark Recchi in a jersey, a Bruins jersey. I want to ask you a question, Matt, because there was a little bit of rumors. And, you know, you always say, like, let, let just for fun, for fun, for fun, like, just for fun, you know, everybody hates Tom Brady, right? Joe, you hate Tom Brady. Hate him. But then <laughs> you can't stand him. But then if you were to see him in a Rams jersey, how would you feel, right? Hate him. Yeah, don't right. don't don't bullshit. You you that won't do that. No, I would never bullshit. accept him. I yeah, would never right. accept him. Okay. Not okay. Whatever. Whatever. The what the point I'm trying to make is Chara was the heart and soul of the Bruins, you know, mm-hmm. for a long time. And the time where we were hearing the rumors about him leaving the Bruins, and we all hated Chara. So I'm gonna ask you guys the question, and I'm gonna ask Matt the question. How would you feel if he did come? to Montreal wearing a Habs jersey. So as a Boston fan, I'd like to hear your point of view. How would you feel seeing Chara in a, in a like, you know, your heart and soul of the city who who carried you so far and so long and then seeing that Bleu Blanc Rouge and then vice versa, the, the guy who we hated, the guy who we wanted arrested and dead after what he did to Pacioretty, seeing him in a Bleu Blanc Rouge, how would you guys react to that? Well, let, let's, let, let's go with uh, Matt first. Honestly, management wouldn't let it happen. Your management would not let that happen. I just feel that that would not be the case. And the only rumor I want to hear in Boston is that Wayne Simmons is being traded to here. Because why the fuck is he playing in, in, in Toronto right now? 
I just don't understand well, it. But anyways, boy, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see them. Um, I wouldn't see them do that. And if they did, Chara probably owes money in Slovakia or something. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my take on it. I don't I don't think that management would take Chara in Montreal. But if they did, I mean, I wouldn't have any hate against them, honestly. He's playing I, hockey I think- where he plays hockey. I, I think it might hurt Matt more if uh, you see Berger, uh, Bergeron in a Habs uniform. Yes, Correct me right. if I'm wrong. I think it would. I think it would hurt Absolutely. Matt more, to be honest. But but, Ber, but Bergeron that, that came would from. Hurt me. Yeah, yeah. Bergeron hurt came. Me a lot. Bergeron, I think, comes from Quebec City, and he grew up. Yeah, watching, he doesn't like Montreal. He, he grew up watching the Nordiques, so he. I I, I don't think he would want to join the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, our opponent. And fun fact, 2004 drafts, we could we we missed out on Bergeron, so we he could have came to Montreal. But this, but this was my whole point about the Bruins organization drafting players not so 03. high in the draft. Yeah, he was drafting all three, uh, Anthony. Well, but like, I don't I don't want to bring this up for Matt with the draft, but Matt, I'm sure you're not too happy with the 2015 draft. I I, I would assume that like this kind of was a, a big turning point for the Bruins if he ever remembers it, whatever happened. So that's uh, that's something in terms of, yeah, Sam, you're looking at it funny, but if, no, no, if you no, go I'm back in time, I'm trying to remember they that was the draft of Jason DeBrusque, uh, if you guys remember, and yeah, that that draft they had three, yeah, they had three first round picks. Uh, you guys don't remember? Oh, we did pick a bunch of garbage. Yes. Yeah. We, now we, now, we now it's now it's yeah with the Zorbil. Yes. Brusque and uh, I can't say his name properly, but Senishin, and they had good junior careers. Only the Brusque made it out, but this was like a, a big turning point for Boston. And this we're talking about with the retooling before is they missed out on too. players. Yeah, they missed out on players like uh, Connor, uh, Barzal, Shabbat, uh, Brock Besser. Like if you connect okay, me, obviously Aho, which is yeah. <laughs> Aho, which was in the second round. If you take any three of these players, Boston oh could God. have a completely different story coming up now. So, anything can make turning but, points, right? But look at our own team. We sucked at drafting. We developed none of our players for years. This is the first stretch that we're actually seeing some promising prospects come up. But for years and years, the Kyle Chipchuras of uh, of the world. Well, not, not just that. Were... You know, dr- drafting Galchenyuk third overall, the Poor kid became that a bust for, 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 for seven other teams. Uh, you know, we drafted Tunori first round. We drafted Nathan Bollier first round, too. We drafted Sergachev. We traded him for Jonathan Drouin. He's playing better this year, but still. We like traded McDonough. I, I we we got rid of McDonough for fucking Gomez. Yeah, but that, yeah, but that, was, <laughs> but that was before Ber, uh, Bergevin. And, and I can't believe, Joe, I didn't know Peter Chiarelli was GM that year. No, he, he actually just got fired before the draft. Uh, he did? It was Sweeney got took over, but uh, I okay. think like the match. Yeah, oh, I thought that Sweeney, was that year. First, okay. But this is he, he did get fired that year, but yeah, it just the whole <laughs> yeah. that whole and what, draft. And was, what does he do? He goes he goes and ruin uh, an Edmonton Oilers team. Edmonton, <laughs> I think they got yeah. four, four four first overall picks and only. Only one of them pans out, which is Connor McDavid. I mean, that, that, well, that's that's, uh, that's that's something you can't miss. So. No, 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 for sure. Uh, before we close this off, guys, um, I know we mentioned our, a lot of our favorite players. You know, there's there's the Koivus, there's the Kovalevs, there's uh, 
Mike Camilleri's for a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but my favorite defenseman growing up was actually Ray Bork for the Bruins. And I actually met the guy uh, once at a, at a practice at the, the, old, the old forum, the old Montreal forum. My mother took me there. I was just a kid. I was maybe four or five years old. But after that day, I remember watching him as not as religiously because I was still young, but I mean, I still knew a lot about him and about the game and, you know, about the Montreal Boston rivalry. Um, I was happy for the guy. I don't know how Matt, how Boston fans felt, but when he went from Boston to Colorado and winning it in his final year, I don't know if that was a bittersweet moment. I know for me, I was happy for the guy. Like I said, he was one of my favorite defensemen, finally winning a cup after 20 plus years in the NA in the NHL. How, uh, how, how did how did Boston feel when when Ray Bork lifted that cup of unfortunately with another team? Oh, honestly, honestly, Sam, they fucking loved it. They yeah? they loved it. That, yeah, honestly, good. yeah. And then when you hear the announcement, I'm sure you remember the announcement. Oh, I love that Raymond announcement. Bork. Oh my and god, that thing. I'm getting shivers like, just thinking about it. Yeah, I did. I'm like, yeah, it, it was great to see Ray Bork and everybody in the in the city loved it. Yeah, there was no hate towards awesome. Ray Bork. We all knew it was, um, we all knew it was team stuff, and he had to go. So, yeah, no, I I, I get it, but I, I I love hearing that I, because again, you know, he's the best defenseman on on paper in terms of stats. He's probably the best. He's is the best defenseman in in NHL history. But I think a lot of people could argue Bobby Orr. Shout out his birthday today. Mr. Bobby Orr turning 73 years old today. Uh, I know he was my father's favorite player growing up in the 70s. Um, I mean, Bobby Orr just inspired a whole new generation of defensemen being able to turn to offensive defensemen too. If there's one era I could go back in time, it would be in the 70s to see the Canadians, you know, dominate like they did in that decade. But to see a player like Bobby Orr and because, you know, we hear a bit of the older generations, like my father generations, my uncles talking about Bobby Orr, watching him play a defenseman doing the things he did. Like us right now, we freak out over Connor McDavid and the speed and what he's able to do. But this at that era was a defenseman that, yeah, you had the Doug Harveys of the world, like making an impression offensively for defensemen, but Bobby Orr took it to a whole other level. And if this guy wasn't plagued with knee injuries, God knows what he would have done even more. So that's my shout out to him. Uh, another shout out, sh- a shout, excuse, shout out, <laughs> another shout out to a, a local town favorite in both Mon- Montreal and Boston. Uh, Chris Nyland for me is, has become a bit of an inspiration for me um, just because he's the pure definition of give it all you got, not for yourself, but for your teammates. This guy is a pure definition of brotherhood and fighting for your brothers in arms. This, and, you know, he, after his NHL career, he, you know, he took a spiral downwards, you know, with, with, with drug abuse and other problems. And I'm so happy, happy to see him within the last couple of years doing so well, being an inspiration to others, um, doing some public speaking against, against things like bullying, et cetera. Uh, he, he's a guy that, you know, if, if ever any of us have the privilege to meet, I would love for that to happen. Matt, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering if you've ever met him 
either through one of your shows or through the city of Boston? To be honest with you, boys, I have talked to Chris Nyland. He's been on my show. Um, you guys can check out my show, of course. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube, of course. We all are. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, uh, very nice guy. True, true uh, class guy. And um, he's all uh, red, white, and blue, not just for America, but for, for Montreal. He bleeds yeah. for you guys. He, he loves Montreal and, like, you know, we talk a lot of good stuff and, you know, he's, he's grown since, you know, I know Sam, me and you talked about ice gladiators and yeah. talking about his life and stuff. And, um, it wasn't like that in my interview. He wasn't like, well, fuck this, fuck that. And like, it's more telling about his story and his career. So mm -hmm. it was great to know. And, um, yeah. Um, I hope you guys get to meet him soon as well. And, um, do my best to try to help that happen. Um, so yeah, um, that's Chris Nyland for you. Just, I well, watch he, has, a couple, he has yeah, his own yeah. show here in Montreal. Yeah, uh, on yeah off, the cuff. Any, uh, off the yeah. cuff, which is um, I love hearing the guy. I love it. Like, yeah, I, I, I love the guy as a person. I mean, I never met him, but I like the guy. But I also love his accent. It's it's amazing and the passion he has <laughs> yeah, for yeah. the sport. And even when he talks about the Habs, like. He's not biased whatsoever. He just nope. shoots the shit and All says what he has to say. Yeah. And even when, you know, they were talking about Suzuki and, you know, going downhill and people complaining about the ice time and the, the condensed season. And he would say, guys, like, really? Like, that's not an excuse, guys. That's not an excuse because he's been there. He's He played in the era where these stupid excuses that this generation keep talking about didn't, didn't exist, exist back then exactly they were yeah. like smoking cigarettes and drinking beer in the locker room before the third period and <laughs> yeah. and, and now yeah. you're complaining that you have too much ice time and you're playing Fortnite for three hours and then you're going to complain not playing well in the second period come on like Fortnite, oh my god that's you a know? great point. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's yeah, true it's true i i love i love watching some of uh his his fighting highlights especially against uh jay miller in boston i know those Don't two had <laughs> Anyways, all that to say is I just I I he he they they've they've had a couple of good ones, a couple of good battles uh together. I mean Chris Nyland has met he has had many throughout his career. But uh gentlemen, I think that pretty much thumbs it up. I don't know about you, but this was freaking awesome. I, I honestly, if it wasn't if it this. wasn't for timing purposes, I could have done this for hours. I, oh, I, I, really, I could go, yeah, definitely. I, I, I could go for hours too, man. I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't mind telling our audience that we we'll potentially have a part two of this episode eventually. Because exactly. you, you've contributed to the ongoing respect that we have for the Bruins and their fan base. You're uh, you're a great ambassador for your team, and we absolutely love talking to you. And I think you brought a lot of very good and very interesting points. And we loved hearing about what life is like down uh, in Boston, particularly for hockey fans. Same, same to you guys. And I mean, um, I'd love to come up around uh, to Montreal and stuff and come visit oh, you guys and stuff. And that'd be a big honor for me. Um, Dude, uh, absolutely. When, 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 all, when all this madness starts dying down and finally comes to a close yeah dude you you make your way up here give us a shout to any one of us we'll be gladly to show you around the town and just go on a nice terrace we have awesome bars and terraces up here on a nice summer day 
and, and vice we'll, versa. Uh, if, and if vice versa, could, we'll, yeah. we'll come there and uh, we'll bring Joey to the Gillette Stadium to watch a Patriots game with a Patriots jersey. Oh, so. No, thank no, you. No, 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 thank no, you. No, no, but not just any Patriots jersey, Auntie. We're putting a Tom Brady jersey on the, the guy. No, thank oh, you. Oh, yes, you will. No, thank you. <laughs> just watch. Look at that, Joe. Look at look at that beautiful number 12, that B R A D. I can't. I actually before the Bay one. Yeah, I see that. That I can't. That see that. That's that's crossing the line uh, for me. That, I respect that. the guy in 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 the blue, red, white, but Tampa, different story. But anyways, guys, it was a fantastic show. Uh, Matt, thank you so awesome. much for coming on the show. Thank you, Matt. Uh, yeah, pleasure, boys. Yeah, we'd like to so, do this again. Yeah. So, absolutely. absolutely. So this this is this is for now the end for now of our special rivalries episode. Uh, to all our listeners, follow the Curfew Boys on Instagram, Facebook. You can listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. But please give our boy Maddie some love and support for Maddie C Sports for you and me. You could follow him on Instagram. Actually, Matt, you you tell you tell the audience where can so, people listen uh, to you and find you. So basically, what you guys said: uh, YouTube, a little bit, uh, Facebook, um, Facebook video, uh, Instagram, Twitter uh anchor fm uh spotify and apple so follow me on all that shit there we go um definitely follow these boys too even though you guys are live with your boys now but (laughs) (laughs) awesome matt we greatly appreciate your uh your 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 presence and your input like you said uh if we could all make that meeting with Chris Nyland happen. Imagine all of us together I think that would that just just that's one could dream but that would be a sick thought. Uh, Actually, guys, before you yeah. go, yeah. before you go, talk to uh, uh, the stock man for me. The stock man, PJ. Oh, PJ Stock. Yes, he lives. He lives in our. Actually, Chris. Uh, yeah, it's true. My roommate yeah. has contacts. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. We're gonna have to try to make that happen. Absolutely. Well, one last thing, just to 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 <laughs> to to. This pandemic has been a crazy uh, situation, and it goes to show we have Boston and Montreal fans talking together and ha- and it's been over an hour of love you, you, you so the, the, i think the, the the world went upside down here so i, I, I think so it's <laughs> uh, awesome to uh to my boys and the curfew boys thanks for being a part of this matt once again thank you for for joining us uh wherever you are wherever you guys are in the world just please be safe out there take care of one take care of each other and and yourselves until next time, you know, for the Bruins fans, go Bruins go. For the Habs fans, go Habs go. And until we meet again, uh, bye for now. now. Bye now. Bye now. Bye now. Bye now.